So if you have your Bibles or electronic devices, you can turn with me. Uh, Galatians 3.26 is where we're going to be this morning. We're in this series called Grace at Work. And today we're going to look at this subject of liberating, uh, liberating grace and, and what, is, what does that look like. And I tell you, I'm, I'm struggling, with, struggling with my voice this weekend because of, because of allergies. And so I think I've told you this before, but a, a while back I, I asked the Google, um, how do you handle situations like this so you keep your voice? And I learned that opera singers uh, eat a bag of Lay's potato chips and drink a Coke before a performance when they struggle with their voice. And so I don't know if it works, but it's been awesome this morning. And so... Uh, <laughs> You know what? And if a little snack bag would do you, then man, what could a big bag do? And so I've had I have great fun this morning. And you know what? It, it, it's all for the cause of ministry that I eat this stuff and drink that Coke. And so, uh, so anyway, so we ho- hopefully it'll make it th- this weekend. And so I just want to tell you uh, that, that this series, I, ho- I hope this series is speaking to you. It's speaking to me. And uh, there's some things I'm learning right along with you. And today I, w- I want to talk to you about a subject called liberating grace. In other words, that we're set free in Christ and grace works in our life and it's a liberating grace. And I, and I, and I want to talk to you about something about the, that, that is God has deepened in my life that I thought I understood. And, but now I'm learning that probably I just scratched the surface theologically. And it's this, this, this subject of, of this liberating grace, and that is this, is that we are, we are adopted into the family of God. We are sons and daughters, and we are adopted. That by you and I being adopted, it says that God deeply loves us and deeply loves you. See, in Scripture, the word adoption is used a lot, and we're going we're gonna to read some Scriptures and, and understand that, but the word adoption is used a lot. And in seminary, I studied about the, the theology and the doctrine of this issue of God loving us and God's grace and adoption. But it wasn't just full disclosure. It wasn't until we started walking through the process of adoption. Some of you know we're in this process with our daughter and son-in-law uh, with this foster to adopt. And we started walking through that process, and I started seeing some things. And then, and then we, we have some, some close friends that have, that have also walked through those, that process. And I just started watching this process. And I'm thinking, that's how much God loves me? That I'm adopted into the family. I mean, when we accept Christ, it's, it's a, it's a one-time moment, one time event. The scripture says that we were justified. In other words, this, we're not trying to earn our own righteousness. We're not trying to earn our way to heaven. We're not trying to do enough good works that we are justified just as we've, just as if we've never sinned, that he has justified us. And because God has justified us, we have the righteousness of Christ. But the process, the process of coming into the family, what scripture says is this issue of, of, of adoption, that we become sons and daughters, not servants through this process of adoption. And you know, it's one thing. It's one thing to be declared right by a judge, but it's a totally different thing, or it's a greater thing, to be loved by a holy and a perfect and a good, good father, right? It's totally different. I mean, it's one thing to stand up in front of a judge and know you're guilty. And all of a sudden, the judge puts down his or her gavel and says, not guilty, and walks around the bench 
and takes off your handcuffs personally and says, you know what? Not only you're not guilty, but I'm going to adopt you into the family. And you're going to have full rights as my sons and daughters. And you're going to be deeply loved by me. And I'm going to love you. And I'm going to care for you. And I'm going to take you home with me. And you're going to live for me, with me. See, it's one thing to be declared right. It's a totally deeper thing. And it's a totally different thing to be declared by a holy and a righteous God that you are, that you are deeply loved. And he declares us, listen, he declares us love by this process of adoption. And so I just want to read Galatians 3.26 through 4.7. And then we're going to back through this. And listen, it's a, it's a long intro this morning. So don't freak out thinking, oh my gosh, it's taking so long to get to the points. How long are we going to be here this morning? Uh, <laughs> you'll get out at the same time, but we just need to understand this. So Galatians 3.26, starting with, with it, it says this, For in Christ you're all sons of God, through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is n neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you're Christ, then you're Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise, sons and heirs. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way also, when we were children, we were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoptions as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit, capital S, of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave. You're, in other words, you're no longer a slave. You're no longer a servant. But a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. So Paul talks a lot, and Scripture talks about this, this, this doctrine, this theology of adoption. And so when you read these verses, man, don't, let it, don't let it bother you. Don't let it catch you off guard that, that Paul over and over only refers to sons and his sons and, and, and multiple times. He, it, it's a cultural thing. And the reason because Paul said that is because he's speaking into their culture. You see, in their culture, in their time, only the son inherited everything. And so this is really countercultural. This says in Christ, things are much different than, than, than the way the world looks at things, that, that, that we're adopted and we're all together in this family. Verse 1, Galatians 4, he says, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no, di is no different from a slave. Though he is the owner of everything. In other words, what he said, at one time you were, you were just a child, or one time you were a, a servant, and you're a servant in a, in a household, and you had people who, who watched over you, and there's rules and there's regulations, and, and you're making checks on a, on a box or, 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 or whatever. But then there came this point in time that was predestined, that was pre planned. When you became a son and when you became a daughter, where you had full rights and full privileges of a child in the home, but we're, we're not automatically sons of God. Verse 4, he goes on, but when the fullness of time had come, in other words, at just the right time, God sent forth his son, 
born of a, this is so important, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. In other words, what he's saying at the right time, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, who is fully divine and fully human. At the right time, God sent his son from heaven, who was fully divine and fully human. In other words, there was an appointed time that Jesus came, and oh, guess what? There's an appointed time when Jesus is coming back. And so all of a sudden you realize when you look at Galatians 4, 4 that, that, that Jesus, will watch this, he says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. In other words, God sent a son who is fully divine, not created, but a pre-existent son. And God came on his behalf, and he came himself. He was fully human. He was born of a woman. He was born in a natural way, but he was also fully righteous, that he was born under the law. And he was fully human, he's fully righteous, he's fully, fully human, he's fully divine. And he was just, not just a man, but he was a Jewish man under Jewish law. And he would be raised in a Jewish family and go to a Jewish synagogue. And he would be the one that would fill, fulfill all the scriptures. And this issue of adoption is this. Adoption is intentional. Now, that's what you see in Galatians 3.26. Guess what? That's what you see in our culture. See, I think a lot of times, one of the reasons we have trouble understanding how much God loves us is because a lot of times we don't understand this issue of adoption. Adoption is fully intentional, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but I have never heard of an accidental adoption, right? When, when, when a family walks through adoption, it's intentional. It's something they thought through. Many cases, something they prayed through. I've watched families in this church sacrifice financially, sacrifice in a lot of ways so that they could afford to adopt an international child. I've watched families in this church sacrifice so that they can adopt a child within Colorado, within the state, within the U.S., and when, when you choose to adopt, when a, when, a, when a parents choose to adopt, it's something that is done intentional. The other thing about a, adoption is this. You get to meet the child before you adopt. You know all the challenges. You know all the difficulties. I mean, you, you know everything. And yet that mom and that dad decide to Adopt even with those challenges. Because adoption is not only something that is intentional. Adoption is something that is, is a, a choice. And then, and then you have to go get the child, right? I mean, you physically have to go get the child, and, and sometimes it's not an easy process. And what I'm learning is, is, is people who have never walked through the process or known someone who has walked through the process of adoption, is a lot of times they don't understand it. And a lot of times you get things back like, what? Well, don't you know the risk? What if what to rebel? Because the situation they came out of, seriously? Like biological children don't break your heart? Like biological ch children don't rebel? 
Some of the reason that we have so much, I believe, difficulty in understanding. That's why the song, Good, Good Father, is just... It just so resonates with me now. There's so much theology in that song. But I am deeply loved. That's who I am. Because adoption is God saying that He loves you. And in that song, when He calls us to go deeper, and He calls us to go deeper, you know He's calling us to deeper in? To come to a deeper understanding of how much God loves you. And that's liberating grace when you understand that God loves me that much that He adopted me. Verse 5 in Galatians 4 says to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. In other words, God made a decision to adopt us. He knew the challenges. We weren't the best prospects for adoption, right? He chose Ephesians 1.3, watch this. He says, Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. The first time when I really started understanding this issue of adoption was in Houston, Texas, and I've had permission to tell this story for years, and the individual is a close friend of mine. His, his name's Jimmy Luke, which is a great Texas name, right? And, and so it was, it was my second engineering company to work for, and so I, I took a job at this engineering company in 1981. I go to work there, and they introduced me to a man. I'd be on his team. His name was Jimmy Luke. Uh, he was much, much older than me. And uh, we, we developed a relationship. He became a mentor of mine and, and just a good friend of mine. And so one night we were late. It was late. We were working on a project together. And it was only Jimmy, Luke, and I in the office. And, and so, you know, we're, we're like talking. And Jimmy, like, Jimmy says, well, well, you know my story, right? And I go, no, I don't, I don't know your story. I've known you for a number of years, and, and I, don't, I don't know your story. And Jimmy says, oh, well, I, I need to tell your story. I need to tell you my story. And, and I said, well, what's your story? He says, well, Charlie, you may not know this. I, I was adopted. I said, really? I said, I don't know if I've ever met someone and had a conversation with them who had been adopted. I said, tell me your story. I, I, I want to know. I want to know your story. He says, well, well, well here's the deal. He said, uh, I, I, was, I was what was called a, a war baby. He said, World War II, uh, my dad was being shipped off. He, he got a lady pregnant. Uh, she carried me uh, to term, delivered me. And then for whatever reason, she decided that she didn't want me. So she took me, and, and, and she had like some type of a box, and she put some blankets and some things like that in there, and she took me down to the Catholic orphanage there in Houston, Texas. And he says that back in the days when they had the large orphanage with multiple children, and he said, uh, so she took me and she put me on the front porch. They don't know about what time. They think about 10, 11 o'clock at night. He said, actually, I spent the night on the, on the, on the porch. Uh, that next morning, some of the workers discovered me. They, they took me in. They cleaned me up, all of that other stuff. And so my mom and dad drove from, from Louisiana uh, to Houston, Texas, uh, with the intent to adopt 
they wanted to adopt a child. And so they, they got there, and he says, I'm so thankful. They, they adopted me. They're Christians. I'm a Christian. Uh, because of them, they led me to Christ. And, I mean, Jimmy just has a, has a, has a powerful story. And he said, but let me, let me tell you this. And so so uh, he said, uh, well, I'd ask a question. I said, what did what, you think about being adopted? And he says, oh. He said, he says when, I, when I was in grade school, he says, probably for the first time I realized that, that I'd been adopted at a deep level, uh, didn't know who my mom and dad were. I mean, they told me the story. He said, I, 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 we still have the letter that my mom had written before she placed me there at the, at the orphanage. And, but, but we had a conversation. And so I looked at my mom and my dad were at the table, and I looked at my dad, and I'm, I'm, I says, well, why did you, why, why did you guys... Why did you guys adopt? And how do I know that I'm loved by you? And they said, Jimmy, that's easy. We came to get you. We chose you. We could have chosen any baby in that orphanage, and we chose you. Because adoption is intentional, right? So we came and drove a long distance, and we chose you. And Jimmy says, well, okay, well, can I ask another question? Why did you choose me? And like I say, I have permission to tell the story. So he says, why did you choose me? And they go, and they looked at each other and kind of smirked and laughed. Did we tell him? Did we not tell him? And, the, and Dad says, we're going to tell him. And so he says, my dad looked at me and said, Jimmy, the reason we chose you is because you were the ugliest baby in the orphanage. <laughs> <laughs> and I pretty much knew that. He was not a handsome man. Uh, <laughs> And, and he said, I just, I looked at him and I said, what? And they go, yeah. So they said, Jimmy, the condition that you came into the orphanage under, you were malnourished. You had a lot of health complications. And you obviously were not the most attractive baby in the orphanage. And we could have picked any of them. But the reason we picked you Your mother and I were afraid that nobody would pick you. And you'd grow up in an orphanage. And that'd be your destiny. And as a result of that, your mother and I, we wanted to change your destiny. And God did something in our heart. And we chose you. So the gospel. Is Jesus Christ came to get you. And he chose you. And he chose you before the foundations of the world. Scripture does not describe us as orphans without a father. Scripture describes us as orphans who rejected a father, said that we don't need a father. We don't need that in our life. I'm telling you, we were not the greatest prospects for adoption 
And the God of heaven looks at your life, not the person on the left of you or the person on the right of you, the person behind you or in front of you. He looks at your life and he says, you are deeply loved because I chose you and I adopted you and I came to get you. I'm telling you, when we understand this, it is like liberating grace that we have been set free, that we have a good, good father that is perfect and holy, and he chose us. Galatians 4, 6 says, and because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer, listen, you're no longer a slave. Your destination, your destiny has been changed. You're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through, through God. And you can stand before him. Not based upon your righteousness and not based upon your performance. Not based upon your past. And you can stand before him. And you'd be loved by him. And he's asking all of us just to go deeper in that. Just to understand how much I love you and how much I care for you. So I just want to give you three things about this liberating grace that we have to understand at liberating grace. If we're going to understand this doctrine, if we're going to understand grace at work in our life, the first thing is this. Liberating grace is we, when we understand we are immersed in Christ. That we're immersed in Him. I mean, Galatians 3.27 says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ... In other words, when, when we're baptized, we're identifying with Christ publicly. And we're saying we're, it's the picture of being immersed in Him. Listen, this is why baptism... Listen, this is why baptism is so important and so critical. Circumcision is not the identifying mark of the believer. You know what the identifying mark of the believer is publicly? It's this issue of baptism. Now listen, nowhere in Scripture does it say that you have to get baptized to be saved. But Scripture talks about this issue of baptism that, you know what, it's not a suggestion. It's like, it's like a command. I mean, it's like to follow the example of Jesus Christ who was baptized. He's baptized as, as an adult. He was baptized in water when he, by immersion when he went down and when he came back up. And when we're baptized publicly, we're baptized into the church, what we're saying is, I identify with Christ. And when we go under the water, it's the picture that we're immersed in Christ. You, it is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And I'm not ashamed of following him, and I'm not ashamed of identifying my life with him. To where if you've never been biblically baptized, which is this, it's the moment. It's after the moment where you've accepted him and entered into a relationship with him. Where you understood the decision that you made and then you follow him in believer's baptism. And I know some people will push back and say, whoa, wait a minute. I was like baptized as an infant. My mom and my dad, they did that. I was baptized. That's fine. I'm not saying anything about that. Listen, let me tell you something. You know what you're doing when you follow the Lord in believer's baptism? You are completing what your mom and dad started. Just completing it. 
And when you understand liberating grace, when you understand what he did for you and he came to get you, nobody has to force you to get baptized. It's like something you want to enter into because of your relationship with Christ. The second thing of liberating grace that we have to understand, not only that we are immersed in Christ, but the second thing is this, that we're, we're one in Christ. We're not, we're not only immersed in Christ, but we are one in Christ. Galatians 3.27 says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. In other words, all of a sudden what he's saying, Christ breaks all racial, social, and gender barriers, something that our country desperately needs right now. And they need to be able to see it in the local church to where they know that it is possible. And he goes on in verse 28 and says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all, watch this, you're all one. You're all one in Christ. So let's just be clear this morning. He is not saying that the distinctions are gone. What he is saying is this, the distinctions no longer divide us. What he is saying is this, the distinctions are no longer barriers. And aren't you glad because what Scripture says, in Christ, we're all on the same level. In Christ, the, the ground is level at the cross. That there's no one better or worse than the other. There's no one superior or, 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 or there's no one inferior. See, this is what Paul was fighting in the, in the church there in Galatia. It was racism. The Judaizers had moved in. And the Judaizers began saying that the Jews are better than the Gentiles. And then like this racism was going on. And Paul's like, no. The ground is level at the cross. No. You can't say that as a believer. You can't say that as a Christian. And you better be careful what you post on Facebook about racism and all those other things. Because in Christ, man, in Christ we're all one. I mean, it's the picture of the cross I mean, verse 29 as he goes on. And if you're a Christ, then you're Abraham's offspring, heirs according to purpose. And now all of a sudden, Paul ties the New Testament believers to the Old Testament believers by saying, you know what, we're all one. And because of Abraham's offspring, because of the statement that he made there, what he's saying is, we have unity with all believers. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and all the Old Testament believers, that we have unity with them because we all share in an inheritance. And guess what? We have, listen, we have all been adopted into the family. And he chose us. And we are deeply loved. And we are perfect and complete in him. The last thing is this. If we're going to understand liberating grace, then we have to understand that we have intimacy with Christ. That we have intimacy with Christ. He says in Galatians 4, verse 6, he goes on and says, And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if you're a son, then you're an heir through God. In other words, he's talking about this issue of intimacy. That you have the same rights and, and privileges as the children. You're no longer a servant. You're no longer trying to work your way into the family. You're no longer trying to check off enough religious b blocks. Uh, 
to get to heaven or however you want to phrase that. But all of a sudden now he uses a term and he says you have intimacy with the Father. Oh, your Abba, your Abba Father, which is a very intimate term. It's the term that Jesus used in the garden on the night before he was betrayed. It's the term that Paul used in Romans chapter 8. It's this picture of just deep intimacy that in the New Testament, Liber liberating grace is this is you have been set free and oh and guess what you have a, a father who is perfect in every way who is righteous and and perfect and he is a good good father and you have intimacy with him and that when you cry out to him when you cry out to God when you've received some bad news maybe you've received some news that you never imagined that you'd walk through maybe it's a doctor's report maybe it's circumstances or maybe it's a situation that you thought you know what I'd never have to deal with this in my life that you, you, you know what to do and you know where to turn because you, you have a perfect Father. You have a holy Father that knew you before the foundations of the world and He chose you. This is a picture of a son and a daughter and not a, not a servant that we have intimacy with Him and we have a relationship with Him. I don't know. I don't know if you've ever, I don't know if you've ever been in a courtroom when adoption was completed or made binding or made legal, however you want to phrase it. But it is a beautiful thing. When you have a, a judge who actually looks forward to that type of stuff because they deal with a lot of bad stuff and now all of a sudden they're in the process of placing a child in a family where that child's destiny or trajectory of life is going to be changed you have moms and dads talking about why they're adopting and why they made this choice and then you just listen to the legal words that a judge uses. That now this child has the same rights and privileges of biological children. And you realize what's taking place. And then you get to witness siblings in that family welcoming the adopted child in. That's what we do. When we celebrate baptism, when we clap and we cheer and we build relationships with them. In our church, I've sat in a worship service and I've watched people that I know and I know their story that were adopted. And I'm watching them worship. And I think, where would they be if they had not been adopted? And I think, where would I be if God had not have come to get me and adopt me? Did I have full rights and privileges? And I share in an inheritance. And I have a good, good father that I have an intimate relationship with who cares for me. That is what is offered to every one of us. That's how we know that we are deeply loved and that we have a good, good Father. 
Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Let me ask you with your heads bowed and eyes closed. What is God saying to you as a result of this message? We talk a lot here at Fellowship the Rockies about be willing to take the next step, whatever the next step is. And I, I just want to let you know this morning, God's already taken the first step. We don't really take the first step. God's already taken the first step. He's already left heaven, and He, come, he came here for us. He came here for you to adopt you, to forgive you. So the question is, have you received that? Have you accepted that? Have you accepted Him? Have you started a relationship with Him and said, I, I, I want you to be my Father. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins and I ask you to forgive me of the things that I've done. And I want to be your son or daughter. And to the very best of my ability, I'm going to walk with you. And I'm going to deepen. It'll be a lifelong journey for all of us, but I'm going to deepen. In understanding how much you love me. Maybe you've done that. Maybe you're a believer. Maybe this morning for you was just a reminder of how much you're loved. In the world that we live in, I... Sometimes it's good just to take a breath and just realize how much God loves us, that we're valuable to Him. It's a love relationship with Him. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know what? I just need prayer. So fortunate. We have an Abba Father that not only hears our prayers, but just responds to them. And sometimes we need brothers and sisters to just pray for us. And you don't need to be embarrassed that you need prayer. Every one of us needs prayer. I need prayer. Apostle Paul, who wrote these words, asked for prayer over and over in Scripture. Every one of us in this room needs prayer. So this morning, if you need prayer, after I pray in just a moment, we're going to stand. And when we stand, if you need prayer, just asking, do you stand up? Would you step out? Begin making your way down the front. It'd be an honor to surround you. It'd be an honor to pray for you. It'd be honored to add our faith to your faith. You don't have to walk alone. People be walking with you. People be coming. So if you need prayer, do not miss this. It can have something to do with what I just talked about. You know what? It may have nothing to do with what I talked about. That's okay, too. If it's a burden of yours, we want to lift it. We want to pray for you. So if you need prayer after I pray and we stand, you come. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your love and we thank you for your grace. Father, we just thank you for the power of your name. And may we never get over your love for us. That you left heaven for us. Fully divine and fully human. And you went to the cross and you died. And on the third day you rose again. You broke the power of sin in our life. And may we accept you. And may we walk with you. And may we know how much you love us. And for those that need prayer this morning, Father, I pray there'd be no barriers in this room. 
that people would receive prayer, they'd receive encouragement, comfort, and support. Father, we just look forward to see what you're going to do as you, as you minister to your children. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please stand?